Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you're listening to us, and how you're listening to us. Thank you for making the sports and the world podcast part of your day. I'm Ladarius. And I'm Chris. Hope all of you are well and safe out there. How are you, my man? I'm good, man. I'm good. It's crunch time now. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that. Yeah, you already know. Listen, I, I'm in five leagues, and I had a decent shot in three, and let's just – I'm not going to call a certain, a certain Pittsburgh Steelers tight end. I'm not going to do that. But, I, I mean, I mean, it's one thing to get no targets, nothing. And then it was just downhill – and mind you, I have Patrick Mahomes on, on two of my team. And I'm thinking, well, that, that's what kept me alive. And then I, I left somebody on the bench. But then what's worse is that I had no production for my tight end position. None. I've been better off starting Shannon Sharp than starting anybody else. But we'll save that conversation for fantasy talk. Uh, let's get into we'll, – we'll talk college next week because the core of the bowl games are going to be coming up. I have an idea where Chris is going to go. Maybe he might go for Ohio State. I don't know. Maybe we don't know. We don't know. Well, it's interesting. <laughs> but let, let's talk about Week 15. One of the more interesting weeks. Crunch. Speaking of crunch time, I mean, I guess I'll say this, and I'll, and I'll get your you'll get your recap. Let you recap. It, it's amazing to me when we talk about leads. Like if I, if I told you an NFL team had a thirty-three to nothing lead, if I told you that, you would think that okay, you can turn the television off, well, turn find something else to watch, come back, and maybe the other team has scored a touchdown or two to make it a game. But sweet Jesus, if you're the Colts, I've seen collapses. Like in baseball, having a blowing a lead not commonplace, but it happens. But but Chris, I get your thoughts. But if seen like this season, we've seen a lot of teams blow leads more than any other season that I can personally remember. Where you would think a like a two touchdown lead in the fourth quarter, you would think is safe. You would think is safe, but. It's amazing to me, and what's worse, what's very worse, is that with that thirty-three nothing lead, you know, my guy, I, I'll, I'll get in there. It's, it's, it's like twenty to three all over again, and, and I, uh, boy, it's just, I'm, I'm just disgusted. That, that I'll, I'll leave it. I'm just disgusted. Now that I'll get, I'll, I'll tell you who's at fault for the whole Colts thing, but, but Chris, I'll get your thoughts as we are the fifteenth week of the NFL season, your thoughts? You know, uh, I think that – I think the Colts and the Vikings is going to be a really good starting point. So an interesting stat that I've come to find out is Matt Ryan holds this, the record for blowing the biggest lead in an international game. Mm-hmm. In a regular season game. Yeah. In a playoff game, yeah, and in the Super Bowl, and I like Matt Ryan. We we've talked about this a hundred times. Yeah, I have used Matt Ryan. This is the first year, and I would say about 
five years, I have not had Matt Ryan as a starting quarterback. I actually had Matt Ryan as a starting quarterback in the beginning of the season. Uh, I, I, I I picked him up. So in our big league, in, in the dynasty league that we play, and this is the league that we normally reference to uh, on Sleeper, and that's a great app. If you guys need a fantasy football app, go to check Sleeper out. It's a year-round thing. It's very intricate. And if you're addicts like uh, Ladarius and I, you can have yourself a good time. But check it out, Sleeper. Um, the the issue I ran into is that I had Matt Ryan and my season collapsed last year because of the Falcons collapsing. He gets traded out and now becomes a member of the Indianapolis Colts new regime. He has Jonathan Taylor in the backfield. He has all these good weapons on receivers and he has like a decent offensive line better than what he had at Atlanta. And, uh, and I was like, all right, I'm going to put this guy up and I put him up and I want to say about like week three is when I made the, the, I gave up a draft, excuse me, a draft pick and ended up picking up Kirk Cousins. And then I went on a 10 game winning streak and the rest is history. Uh, the, the fact being is that I, I, I think Matt Ryan's done. I think that, that now it takes a lot. There are a lot of intricate parts in the NFL for an organization to win or to lose. You have mm-hmm. offense, defense, special teams. All three of them have to be firing on all cylinders at all times in order to create a successful win. I don't know what happened, but the Colts just didn't show up in, in the second half. Matt Ryan didn't show up in the second half. And I think that they are in a situation now where they're four, nine and one. I mean, definitely no chance of making the playoffs or anything like that. And they've got to make us a, a, they've got to make a choice of what they're going to do as quarterback. Cause the former head coach, I forget his name, Ladaris, you can jump in at any time and, and remind me. Uh, Frank uh, Reich. Yes. He got fired and he benched Matt Ryan. And I think that was a smart decision. And then Saturday comes in and, puts them back on the active roster. And, I mean, granted, you know what Matt Ryan did? Uh, he, he did put a ball in the end zone. And most importantly, he didn't turn the ball over. It wasn't one of his typical games where he's throwing three interceptions. But the problem being is that just they, they fell apart, and his performance in the second half just wasn't there. Then, all of a sudden, Kirk Cousins wakes up in, in, <laughs> in, the, in the second half. Uh, the dude threw for 460 yards, four TDs, and two picks. Uh, Dalvin Cook led the charge on uh, with 95 yards on the ground. K.J. Osborne, for the first time all season, led reception yards for 157, while Justin Jefferson got himself 123, both of them with a touchdown. And then Adam Thielen came in with uh, 41 yards and a touchdown. And then Dalvin Cook had another 95 yards reception and a touchdown. And for the probably the first game since the trade, C.J. Ogenson didn't see the end zone. Um, so, you know, the Vikings, I, you know, I, I feel like when, when Matt Ryan is in a very comfortable lead, I just picture in the back of his mind, it's like in Forrest Gump when he starts having like the flashbacks and you hear Fortunate Son. Like, that's just what I picture Matt Ryan. He just knows that something bad is going to happen. And lo and behold, it did. Um, The one thing that I do like, though, about this game is it really did show the versatility of the Minnesota Vikings. 
Um, they came out and they came out swinging the second half. They were they decided that they were not going to lose that game, and they did a damn good job to prevent it from happening. Um, so hats off to them and the Vikings organization. I personally want to thank Kirk Cousins for posting 80 plus points for me in fantasy football to give me that that very secure dub. Kirk kissing cousins as Ladarius yep. called him last season. Uh, thank you, sir. Uh, and then you know some of the other games. You know, of course, the Seahawks uh, 49ers game on Thursday. That was, I think, that game went the way we thought it was going to. Yeah. Uh, Christian McCaffrey getting a lot of touches. Brock Purdy doing good. I mean, I, I am, I am. Thoroughly impressed with how Brock Purdy is playing. He threw for 217 yards and two TDs. Uh, unfortunately, I mean, Geno Smith played good too. You know, we're, we're not saying he did not to discredit him. He threw for 238 yards and a touchdown. So neither one of them turned the ball over, which is a very good sign. However, the Seahawks, their problem was Nick Bosa. <laughs> that man was, was in Geno Smith's face almost every play. I mean, he would just bowl through tackles, guards, uh, uh, tight ends, whatever you put in front of them. The man just ran through one, if not two people, spun around them or just, just did some real finesse work. Um, so the defense definitely kept Seattle in control. Um, you know, the Bills and the Dolphins game, you know, shout, you know, number one, shout out to the Bills fans throwing snowballs at the Dolphins. <laughs> they had to stop the game. And moment because the fans are acting so wild. Y'all, y'all Bills fans, man, you guys are, you guys are a different breed, man. When they say it's the Bills mafia, that is, that is a a true hard statement because y'all don't play around out there, man. So uh, hats off to you, and uh, congrats on you guys acting a fool out there and ma- managing to get a game stopped because of fans. I don't even know if that's ever happened in the NFL before. So good on you guys. Besides, like the occasional, you know dumbass that runs out in the field half naked but for all the fans unite start hucking snowballs i mean good, good job y'all be out there looking like will ferrell from the elf so good on you um somehow the texans and chiefs game was a little bit closer than what we thought it should have been um so chiefs still came out and, and won unfortunately though um you know the, the texans took a hard hit with uh, Damian Pearson being done for the season with a with an ankle sprain, so he's been put on the IR, so he's 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 washed out for the rest of the year. Uh, the Broncos actually squeaked one on Arizona uh, again. I think that was another game. You know, I think that was one of those 50-50 games. We kind of weren't sure which way it was going to go. Uh, of course, the Bengals beating out the Buccaneers. Uh, Green Bay had a really really nice kind of comeback. Not that not that they came back and won. But just a nice comeback to the season uh, and trying to pull themselves together, uh, type one. So they're six and eight. Aaron Rodgers threw for 229 yards, uh, one TD, one pick. Uh, Aaron Jones definitely did his job on the ground, uh, receiver wise. Uh, you know, the talk of the town in Green Bay has been Christian Watson. You know, this is the, the first game in five games he hasn't gotten seen the end zone. He's got seven touchdowns in five games. So I definitely think that he's going to have a great season, the great rest of the regular season, and then going into next year. I think that he's developed a really good chemistry, and if Aaron Rodgers stays, I think it's something. That might be his new – if you remember years ago, it was like Nick Decker was his uh, uh, go-to guy, and then Devontae Adams, and then now it's uh, uh, you know Christian Watson, it seems like. 
of course, my Jets. So this, you know, this this is a situation that we've ran into. Uh, that this is going to be a hard one to to figure out. Um, so Zach Wilson comes back and he's the starter due to Mike. So Mike White has three cracked ribs. He played through that game last not the week before with three cracked ribs. Mm-hmm. So that shows the tenacity of who he is as an athlete. So definitely hats off to him. Um, so he's been out, and I think he's ruled out this week as well. The Jets are playing Jacksonville in, in New Jersey. Um, we're in a situation now where Robert Sala has to, to – he's going to have to make some decisions in the offseason because you've got a, a, a red-hot Mike White who I think the locker room stands behind White even though that Zach Wilson's a starter. So Zach Wilson gets his, his first start. So he went 18 for 35, 317 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. Um, and then he had, you know, seven rush yards. Of course, Garrett Wilson led the charge receiving-wise at 98 receptions. Jeff Smith on 77, Elijah Moore 51. Um, you know, the Lions ended up winning this game. So I'm not, I want to talk about that, too. You know, Jared Goff came out through 252 yards, one touchdown, uh, DeAndre Swift led the charge on the ground with uh, 52 yards and eight carries. And then uh, St. Brown came in and uh, with 76 uh, receptions on seven or 76 yards and seven catches. Uh, and then Brock, uh, Brock Wright was the, the sole touchdown recipient with uh, one, one catch for 51 yards and uh, one TD. So if you had him in fantasy, you really can't be too upset with that. Cause he definitely got you some points. Um, you know, so the, the the Lions ended up winning this 2017. Both teams are right now 7-7. Seven and seven. Now, if you would have told me in the beginning of the season that going into week 16, the Lions would be 7-7, seven and seven, I would have told you to go get your head checked out because there's you got you got a wire loose. Um, but here we are. And, again, this, this was a well-played game on both sides of, of the ball. There were a couple things, and again, I, you know, I, I hate talking about referees, but, you know, I want to talk about it with the, uh, with the, the Washington game, too. Um, there were a couple calls that I think that the refs made seriously wrong with this game that I think may have cost the Jets that win. And again, I know you can't solely blame referees on win-loss, and, and it has happened. Referees have caused teams to lose. Washington this week was a very prime example. But, but I want, I'm not going to beat too hard on that. But, uh, you know, so what do you do if, if you're solid? You've got a red-hot Mike White, and now you've got an emergence of Zach Wilson, who's actually playing more intelligent. And, you know, the thing is you can't win every game. You're not going to go 17-0 every season. Um, you're going to lose games. Quarterbacks are going to throw interceptions. Um, balls are going to be fumbled. There's no way to prevent that from ever happening. But what do you do with him in, in a quarterback situation come the offseason? Or if some by some fate and miracle, uh, the Jets do make it in the playoffs as, as some type of, uh, of wild card situation, where – what do you do? You know, I mean, right now, I mean, I, I don't know that, that the Jets will make it. They're seven and seven right now. The Patriots are seven and seven. Um, however, the Patriots are three and three divisionally, and then the Jets are three and four, so they're back at the bottom. But if let's just say something goes their way the next couple games, and they somehow win a couple, and then the Jets and the Dolphins 
lose a couple, you know, you, you could find yourself in a, in a very precarious situation uh, of something to do, you know? Cause I mean, if, if you look at it, even with the Jets being seven and seven right now, that they could literally be the leader of the AFC South division right now at seven and seven, um, which is just insane. But it, it's, it's going to be a weird situation. I'm very curious to see what they're going to do. Um, and then, and I guess we'll see what happens. But moving on, uh, I, I know you probably want to circle back to that. Uh, the only other two games I wanted to poke at real quick were the Cowboys and the Jaguars. I don't know if we them boys is going to be okay. Uh, Cowboys are 10-4, and four, the Jaguars are 6-8. and eight. So, number one, this is really cool, that one of my buddies took his kid. So, this is his, his kid loves Jacksonville Jaguars, his favorite team. Very first game he gets to take his son to is the Jacksonville Jaguars home game that they win in overtime. Like you, you can't ask for like a picturesque better win. And then on top of it, they beat the Dallas Cowboys. Like everybody hates the Cowboys, but Cowboys fans. So this is just a, a straight up victory lap for, for Jaguar, for, for Duval. So shout out to them. And, uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence, he came ready to play, 318 yards, four TDs, one interception. Uh, Travis Entienne, 103 yards on the ground. Zay Jones, 109 yards in the air with three TDs. Uh, Marvin Jones, he's still hanging there. He got, he caught himself a TD. But most importantly, was that pick six at the end of the game. And uh, that that was just really, really cool to see. What a way to end a game. With, uh, I believe it was uh, Rayshon Jenkins, if memory serves me right, correct? Mm-hmm. Correct. You know, comes back, gets his pick six, and runs it in, man. I mean, which is what a, what a way to end a game. Uh, and now, you know, are are the Cowboys them boys? You know, they they talk very very loud, and you know what, the Cowboys do have some very credible wins under their belt, and I'm not going to discredit that because they they walked into Minnesota and and did God's work. So I mean, like I, I can't argue that they're second place in the NFC East under the 13 and one Eagles. But if you look at the rest of the NFC, they could essentially lead minus the Vikings. So the Vikings are 11 and three, but at 10 and four, you could lead the NFC West and at 10 and four, you're pretty much a God among men and the poor NFC South. <laughs> um, so it's going to be pretty curious to see how they fare themselves out there. Um, Dallas has got a, 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 a weird schedule going in for the next couple games. Uh, you know, they've got the Cowboys, or excuse me, the Eagles, they're playing Christmas Eve. They got the Titans on the 29th, and then they finish the season off with a divisional game with the Commanders on the 8th. So it, I'm pretty curious to see how that's going to break itself down um, and then see where they fare at the end of the season. And then, like I said, last but not least, the game that I want to talk about is the Giants and the Commanders game. One thing that, that righteously – righteously pissed me off was the one of the last plays of the game with Terry McLaurin looks at the refer and, and so if, if you guys don't know you're the casual football fan so when the, the wide outs line up they'll usually point and check to the side and then the ref will tell them like yeah you're good so that's declaring yourself that you're you're on the line um he did it the referee acknowledged it and as soon as the play was snapped he threw the flag on I don't want to say sometimes that the NFL is rigged, and there is these, and more than more than normal recently, 
there have been a lot of accusations of is the NFL rigged because it's deemed. I want. I, I, I read something that's deemed as entertainment, not as a sport. So it kind of makes you wonder. You know, I I, I don't want to say that something like that would be possible, or I don't want to say that something like that could would would be legitimate, but it really, really starts to make you wonder. Um, so the, the, the commanders ended up losing that game and, you know, the giants are eight, five and one. Uh, now the commanders are seven, six and one. And it just kind of makes you scratch your head on that and, and why that flag was thrown. Maybe Ladarius, if you want to jump in from there, um, that that was that like I said that was just my big gripe and some of these some of these calls in the NFL are starting to become more and more questionable this season mm-hmm. I think more than others and we've had issues with like the tough rule yeah. and maybe you know in in the highlight of Tom Brady's career there have definitely been hits on him that if they're on other quarterbacks that they would have turned a blind eye to but you know I don't know I'm just, I'm starting to now question some of the refs that are that are officiating these games now. Yeah, and I'll start there and circle the wagons there. What's what's interesting, Chris, is that when you watch the game, and and what's worse in that game, the referees missed a very apparent pass interference call in that game as well, in the end zone, where all in all this season with the officiating, one of my biggest gripes and. And that hopefully the rules committee this offseason takes a look at this. We have to start defining certain penalties because it's everything. When you leave everything up to interpretation, Chris, you put it in the hands of discretion, and that could be a very scary thing, especially with the referees. Case in point, go back to that game where the Packers and Cowboys, that playoff game with Des Bryant, where we have to question, is that a catch? Is that not things that we were taught back in peewee football? What's a catch? And then you kind of fast forward from that timeline. Now we're questioning, well, what's pass interference? Now we're questioning, and we double down, and now we're questioning things like, well, what is roughing the passer? Because if you go back to that Texans, the, the Chiefs Texans game, I mean, Patrick Mahomes was slammed to the ground. No flag. But I can't recall the other game. The defender just kind of nicked the quarterback, and here comes the flag. It's amazing to me, Chris, where do I want to say the NFL is rigged? Because I, I don't know. Because the NBA had to answer those same questions too. But unfortunately for them, Tim Donahue, that didn't that didn't really help the situation. Where he was kind of – that it made it look worse because it it confirmed people's worst fears. The NBA was rigged because if you watch the NBA, it's a very subjective, no different than the NFL. If you had to rank it, like baseball is balls and strikes, it, but now there's replay for that. So it's not as huge as an issue, but when you have, especially in the NFL and the NBA, where it's the two sports that are legitimately questioned, well, is this rigged? And, and on some calls, you do have to sit back and question it because in that Giants-Commanders game, Chris, that was a significantly playoff-shifting game because the winner of that game is essentially uh, pretty much a lock. The loser, loser of that game needs help. And by help, that means they need they got to do their part and win, obviously. But they need teams ahead of them to lose. 
who also are trying to get into the playoffs. It was that big of a game. And it, and under the spotlight of Sunday night football, apparent missed calls. And to your point, we saw the point to the official, because to your point, you're absolutely right. So when the flag was coming, I was like, wait, what are we doing? Because we can pull up, we can pull up, you know, we can pull up technology and see McLaurin, you know, getting like the point, you know, pointing, acknowledging on the line, and then here comes the flag. And then what's worse is that in the end zone where it looks the Giants defender was, was wrapped around the commander's receiver and no flag away from the ball. It, it's amazing to me, Chris, where this offseason, we have to start redefining the rules, just like what's a catch. Pass, you know, roughing the passer, and, and I said this many times on social media, especially on Twitter, where, and I said this on Twitter, like, that's not we should be able to know the difference between roughing the passer and not roughing and what we should know that. But with these refs, what we don't know. We simply don't know, and everything's up in the air. And there's nothing definitive and there's nothing precise about it. And that's to me, Chris, that's what's scary because listen, these games matter now. They've always mattered, obviously. But to do it in a situation where the commanders, if if that call, if that penalty was called. Or it was not called. We're talking is shift is shift the momentum of the game. And what's amazing to me is, is that like I said, these refs. I don't know what the to me, Chris. The solution is we have to sit down and figure out what things are because for years, like I said, we didn't. We thought we knew what a catch was, and apparently, yeah, we, and apparently, we didn't know. And 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 I'll oh, go ahead. No, it, it, it's just one of those things. So, it, you know, when, when McLaurin got up there, pointed at the ref, so that that's the signal that he is the seventh person on the line of scrimmage. Exactly, so in order, yeah. In order to avoid a formation penalty, yeah. you got to have seven people on the line of scrimmage. You watch any NFL game for more than five minutes, you'll, you'll see that. Yeah. And for him to point, the ref to acknowledge the point, yeah, and then to throw a, fa- a, a a flag for an illegal formation. I'm yeah, like, what the hell? Yeah, th- th- that that's that's this is the Montreal screw job in the NFL. Like in, in that situation, listen, it 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 it, it feels like we, if we have a, I think we're start if we have to question the officiating because. Because my problem is, is that I remember that that uh, Monday Night Football game back with Russell Wilson with Seattle and Green Bay, and the oh, Hail Mary and that Hail Mary play, and everybody's looking like, oh well, Green Bay's won the game, and all of a sudden, Seattle's in the scuffle. You kind of see, well, oh, wait, wait a minute, did that ball hit the ground? Who cares? Referee said touchdown. Aaron Rodgers. It's it's it's. And, and I said, okay, this is the point. Okay, now we got it, – it, 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 it's such a timeline. I wouldn't know where to begin. But I, I but I want to kind of go back to some of your points. I want to talk about your Jets and, and the situation with Robert Sullivan. To me, I, I've said this. I think I've said this on the show. Where when you spend a top – not just a top ten pick, a top three pick on a quarterback. I think Zach Wilson had to be benched to learn a very valuable lesson in humility. Yeah. I think 
he walked in there and people are like, oh, and people try to make it issues that it weren't, but no, it breaks down to the core of this. I don't care what the your race, I don't care. It's all about discipline. It's all about accountability. And if you think about it, and this is not a knock on, listen, was Zach Wilson ever held accountable at BYU? No, he wasn't. Why? Because when he messed up, the media was like, oh, well, good effort out there. Like he wasn't, and now he goes to a the biggest market. In, 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 I can argue one of the biggest yeah. markets in, in, in the world. And now everything he does is under this microscope. And when he's asked a simple question, he he kind of he 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 brushed off like, oh, it's not my fault. When in reality, it kind of was. The defense saw listen, that defense did his job. They've done their job. And all they're asking you to do is at least put up a touchdown. The Jets could have we could be talking about the Jets being a nine-win team. If you have the offense under under Zach Wilson. And now, and yeah, he had a, a solid game. But to your point, Chris, it's all about the locker room. And if you're Robert Sala, Mike White has won over the locker room. We've read reports. I've read reports. See, so it's it, it, it's a serious thing. The question becomes, hypothetically, the, the Jaguars play the Jets Thursday night. If the Jets can pull off that win, they're 8-7. and seven. So they're kind of in a prime position to make the postseason. Now, the question becomes, the bigger question becomes, and you, and you, and you, ask, and you ask the very same question, what do you do if you're Robert Sala? Like, not only just the offense, what do you do now? And the answer is simple. You lean on the locker room. And, and people feel understand, well, if Zach Wilson's playing great, no, you don't understand. It's a team sport. Okay, it's not like golf or tennis where you kind of lean on yourself. You lean on yourself. No, you're Robert Sala. Who They got to play with him. Robert Sala understands that they have to play with whoever's under center. Those offensive linemen have to protect whoever's under center. And I said, we've seen examples where, listen, quarterbacks have teams that get up on the quarterback right there on the field where it just like sloppy play. And you look at Chicago, they're playing for Justin, for Justin Fields. They want Justin Fields to succeed because they realize how good he is, that he's the real deal. We go to the Jets situation. A lot of those guys aren't sure Zach Wilson's the guy, Chris, and that's scary because you spend a second overall pick on him. That's scary. It's not yeah. like you, it's not like you spend a third round pick. You didn't spend like a day two pick on him. No, you spent a day one top three pick. Yeah, 10 minutes into the draft pick. <laughs> yeah, right. Like when you go down, yeah, you're like, you walk in, like, yeah. So when you walk in the door, like, oh, he's the quarterback kind of pick. So that's an interesting situation there. And I want to circle back to, because I love quarterback. I want to talk about Matt Ryan. And look, I think we have seen the last of Matt Ryan. I, I think. I don't put that loss all on Matt Ryan, but I believe, and I, you've heard me say this on the show, when there's two or more people involved or entities involved in this situation, I can't simply put 100% on one person or one entity. I can't do that. Because you, because we look at this Colts team, this Colts team is absolute cheeks. All right. They're cheeks. They're cheeks from the top down. It's, it, start, it started with, okay, you fire Frank Wright. Okay, I get it. But then 
you fired the offensive coordinator, who, by the way, didn't call plays. You fired him before you fired Frank Reich, who's the one actually calling the play. It, it's a catharsis, a conundrum. It, but, the, but the point is this. This all started, and it goes all the way back to the hire of Jeff Saturday. Because the, the fact of the matter is, Chris, Frank Reich did the right thing. He, he had to... He didn't want to bench Matt Ryan, Chris, but my goodness, when you're throwing nine interceptions and you're in the top three of the league, you have to, to do something. And and, may, and so he had to go with Ellinger. I, I'm not upset at that. What, what's upsetting is, is that now all of a sudden people want to create this narrative like, oh, it was all Matt Ryan's fault. The last time I checked, in all the years I've been watching football, there are multiple elements to the game of football. The defense also gave up over 33 points the defense blew a lead in what in a if you want to use a baseball equivalent here we go you're literally up 10 10 to 1 in the eighth inning and pretty and, safe win yeah you hand the ball off you, it's a night where like it's a night where you don't need your top reliever to like you you literally tell your top reliever you have the night off we got this. We'll put some, we'll put some guy in there. We're trying to figure out his mechanics. Which is that's when you use it. And then you you start looking up. All of a sudden, ten to one becomes all of a sudden ten to three. Ten to three becomes ten to six. And all of a sudden, you're like, oh boy. And then the bases are loaded, and you're facing the nine hitter, who's typically not the best hitter in your lineup, by the way unless you have a murderous row of a lineup, and he jacks one 424, you know, 424 feet over the left field wall, and you're tired. You're like, what the hell happened? That was the Colts against the Vikings. That's what happened. So when people want to sit there, oh, Matt Ryan, the yeah. Listen, I didn't want to read that stat like you did. I saw it too. I'm like, I can't do that because it breaks my heart. But I saw it. And it's not all on Matt Ryan. I'm not saying they're saying defending Matt Ryan's performance. Absolutely not. But for the whole for the Colts organization, for Colts fans to have to have the nerve, the audacity, and the temerity to sit there and say it was Matt Ryan's fault. Come on. And you look at this Colts team this year. Jonathan Taylor done for the year. Shaq Leonard done for the year. Like I understand your injuries. I get it. But there are teams who went through a heck of a lot more injuries. Look at the 49ers, all right? They lost their starting quarterback and put in some guy that you never heard of unless you watch college football. People are like, oh, there's the talent. No, don't start me with that. Coaching matters. Jeff Saturday is not a coach, all right? He's not a coach. Al Pacino in any given Sunday is a better coach than Jeff Saturday, all right? So Tony D'Amato, he's a better coach than Jeff Saturday. That's a coach. So when people come to me and, and people, I don't, I don't have to waste the energy to argue with you simply because of the fact that Jeff Saturday helped blow that lead. He hasn't coached. He doesn't know. Situ you, you can play the game, Chris. And, you, oh, he understands situational. But you're the coach. So now you're from a coaching perspective understanding situational football. And this man blew the 33. Stop playing on Matt Ryan. Who's coaching? Who the hell is coaching? Is, was it Jeff Saturday? My, no. 
and, I, and, and and credit to the Vikings. Let's be clear. Credit to the Vikings for 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 just playing out of their minds in the second half of that game. But it's mental mistakes. I mean, Chris, go to that the Patriots Raiders game. All you, Belichick, yeah, yeah, that too. Belichick called a simple draw play, Chris, to kind of see how many yards he could get to maybe you know. He was kind of maybe he was halfway between playing for overtime and halfway seeing, hey, if we get enough yards, maybe we could do something. So so when Stevenson runs it, it's not when Stevenson throws it back to Jacoby Myers, that's not Stevenson's fault. If you're Jacoby Myers, you're a veteran guy in this league. What in the Drew Bledsoe, Scott Zolak, Matt Castle are you doing? Throwing the ball 20 yards backwards. Somebody needs to sit down and explain that to me. And here's the thing, Chris. At that point in the game, the Patriots had like a 55.6% chance of winning. A little over half because obviously they had the ball. Now, when they threw the ball and Jacoby Myers decided to be, hey, I'm just going to throw it backwards, which is fine, but why not hold to the ball and, and go to overtime? That's smart. But, and you can tell Bill Belichick was not happy at that press conference. He was pissed because literally they teach situational football. The greatest head coach of all time is, the, they, they Chris, they practice that. So, so people are like, well, why are you blaming Jacoby Myers? Because they literally practice that. What do you do? It's like it's like when you practice survival techniques. You know what to do, and you choose to do the opposite. So people criticize you. Oh, well, no, you knew better. And then Chandler Jones, former Patriot, get gets the ball, and he just he stiff he stiffs on Mac Jones, which he really didn't have to do. Like like my guy, listen, I'm sitting there going, bro. Chandler Jones, you're an all-pro defensive player. And you're just going to step on poor Matt Jones, who's already on the ground. He's already defeated. And then it's kind of like in wrestling when you come in and then the guy's already down. It's kind of like bringing a chair and just hitting them. That's what that's what Chandler Jones did. It's like he's like, you know what, screw it up. I'm going to win this game. I'm going to stiff arm the quarterback. And it's called asserting dominance. Yeah. And then, Chris, here's, how, here's the thing. Chandler Jones on that play, Chris, covered 71.1 yards on that play. Oh, big man has to scoot. I'm like, listen, it's just amazing to me when people come to me and say, when I talk about blame and accountability, it's like Jacoby Myers deserves a lot of that blame because they practice it. Bill Belichick admitted admitted it in the postgame. We practice that. And then for them to do that, to screw the pooch, it's like, and people are like, oh, they're like, no. And then I tell people, and then, I, I don't understand for the life of me why Cliff Kingsbury is still a coach in this league. Like, listen, it, 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 it sucks to be Cliff Kingsbury. Listen, you lose your quarterback. And then you then you lose your backup quarterback. And you're stuck with Trace McSwallow, who I even who I forgot even played quarterback at Penn. I'm like, wait a minute. I forget. So you're stuck with the third street. I tell people this, 
the, for the outlooks of certain teams, what we learned in, in week 15, Chris, is that, listen, it's amazing to me that we all want to fire Josh McDaniels, myself included, but I also said in that same breath, Cliff Kingsbury doesn't deserve to have a job either with a healthy Kyler Murray or not. And, and here we are circling the wagons here, and we're looking at teams where, listen, Cardinals are done. You know, their GM might be done for Arizona. Like, just just, just do what the Colts do. You just got to, like, just, just start from scratch. What I learned in week 15 is that you're the Colts, and who, by the way, like Matt Ryan's officially benched, now they're going with Nick Foles. Listen, for the Colts, what's it going to do in 2023? It's going to be another quarterback. Are you going to draft a quarterback? Because, Chris, we didn't really see much of Sam Ellinger. So you don't know what you're getting out of Sam Ellinger. It's just like I say for my Falcons. We had to see what we had in Desmond Ritter, and people were like, oh, well, he did. I tell people, shut up. It was his first game. Calm down. Calm the nerves. It's like, folks, you have to put these quarterbacks out there. And you've heard me say on this show, Chris, but we talk about fantasy. You've heard me say this. That 2023 quarterback class is going to be super stacked. So you got to see if the quarterback that you have now will be your quarterback in 2023. Yeah. So, so if you're the coach, oh, they're getting the quarterback. Like, you go to Vegas and you slant. It doesn't matter which if, if the If the odds are they're getting a quarterback and, and if the money fits – you make that bet they're getting a quarterback. For the Falcons, see what Desmond Ritter has. Like, listen, it's a precarious position because we can still win this division, but we also have to see – and it's not fair to Desmond Ritter because he doesn't have the full complement of talent because Kyle Pitts is on IR. So you have to see those pieces, and it's amazing to me. Coaching and quarter – it's just like, folks, When you, it's easy to blame quarterbacks. It's a hell of a lot harder to blame the coach. And it, and like I say, it, 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 if you're the coach, you're the absolute cheeks of an organization. People say, oh, you're a Falcons fan. Well, my team has a better record than your team. I hate to be petty, but my team, you can call my team cheeks, but we're in second. Listen, we're better than your team. All right? Listen, do, do I believe in Arthur Smith all the time? Absolutely not. But at least my guy has actually coached an NFL game versus Jeff Saturday who's essentially the dad who got a whistle and coaches the game. Damn. And Jeff Saturday is a hell of a player. He's a Hall of Fame caliber player, Chris, but listen. This this was the problem the whole time for the Colts. Jim Ursay, you can fire uh, Frank Reich. You can, fire, you can fire who you want to because you can't fire yourself. Yep. It was the Jerry Jones problem. It's like, well, who's the general manager of the Cowboys? Oh, it's Jerry Jones. He can't fire himself. But if you're Jim Ursay, you can fire the GM you have and just start anew. Because obviously, if you have X amount of quarterbacks and X amount of seasons, what are we doing here? What the hell are we doing? And then to blow a lead like that, of that magnitude, and yet, only conversations like, oh, well, Matt Ryan. Listen, Matt Ryan was the scapegoat because, listen, this team, I've said they're cheeks. They're double cheeks. They're double cheeks with the side of with the side of fries. All right? They're, they're terrible. Yeah. I... And Matt Ryan was just the scapegoat. for t- Every company will have a scapegoat. Trust me. 
when it's not their fault, but you need somebody, you need somebody to like who's, who's going to take the blame. It has to be Matt Ryan because he's the quarterback. But it's Jim Irsay, it's Jeff Saturday, the coach, the coach. Like before, before I blow another gasket, let's let speaking of blowing gaskets, let's shift to fantasy. <laughs> and at this point, you, you you're either playing for a championship, you're still in the hunt, or you're like me and you're like you're you're just gonna take that Sunday off and just not watch your league. And I'll just say one of us has done pretty well, and the other was disappointed by, by, by was just disappointed. I'm not gonna go into the in depth situation. But here we are. We're getting we're 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 here for a lot of leagues. It's your championship if you're in it. If you are great, you can talk to Chris. Don't talk to me. Just just walk by me in the hallway while I'm sitting there eating my you know I'm eating my Chris sandwich. Just walk by me, talk to Chris. But if you're if you're a lot like me, you're like, where did it all go wrong? Yeah, a lot of. I'm just lost for words, folks. But, but now we also have big. Uh, 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 I guess a major is a major issue. Jalen Hurts looking like he's not going to play, so we're going to have probably Gardner Minshew. Minshew Mania will be back against the Dallas Cowboys. And let me tell you something right now: if Gardner Minshew beats the Cowboys, I'm not. I'm not going on social media that day. I'm not doing it. Minshew Mania. So, so here we are. Here's Chris's start him and sit him for your fantasy team entering week 16 of the National Football League season. He'll get you your thoughts, and he'll help you out, and I'll just be sitting here listening. Take it away. Well, I think Ladarius covered a lot of it. Uh, you're neither in your championship game or your semifinal game right now, so it is it – is. And the words and rap song of Roy Jones Jr., it is go hard or go home. Uh, Ladarius has officially gone home. I am yep. still trying to go hard, and uh, we're going to yeah. see what happens from there. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm eating chips on the, at the couch. Yeah. It's all right, man. Um, unfortunately, I, I think I might have been your demise in a couple of weeks to uh, put one of the final nails in the coffin. I hate it here. Hate- you know, struggles to be real, man. Uh yeah, so like I said, so you got some leagues that are uh, – you're in your championship game here or you're in your semifinal getting ready to push the championship game next week. If you've got psychotic uh, owners like me that do leagues that make you play until week 17, it's just because I like torturing people and it's fun. Uh, I should have went to the CIA and worked in Guantanamo Bay. I would have excelled. Uh, moving in, you know, it's a 16. So you've actually got some very favorable matchups. And then Ebal's got some not so good ones. So we're going to run through them real quick for you. Uh, starting quarterbacks, your must start Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, those guys. Um, th- those are all your guarantees. Uh, some of the strongest starts you're going to have, number one, is Kirk Cousins going against the New York Giants. Uh, Cousins proved last week he can come through in the clutch, uh, and especially at home against tough opponents. And I think that would – the, the Swiss cheese-esque like New York Giants defense at this point in the season. I think he's going to have himself a very good field day. Uh, Geno Smith and the Seahawks going against the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, I think because of the shootout match, because of 
how good Kansas City is and offensively. And, you know, honestly, how good the Seahawks are offensively. Uh, I know with Tyler Lockett being done for the season, that may hurt a little bit, but with, with DK Metcalf, doing DK Metcalf things, there's not too much to worry about. Both teams have got off the defenses, so it's just going to be a shootout. Um, I think that Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Bucks going to the Arizona Cardinals, A, he started really to heat up against the Bengals at home last week. Uh, and this is going to carry over to a terrific matchup. His wide receivers, Chris Godwin, all those boys, they're going to have a field day with with uh, Arizona's non-existent secondary. Uh, Brock Purdy and the 49ers going against the Washington Commanders. I think this is going to be another situation with a multiple touchdown uh, uh, scenario for Brock Purdy. Aaron Rodgers and the Dolphins. The Dolphins can be exploited downfield, and Aaron Rodgers has the power and he has receivers that can get downfield, so I think that's going to help him as well. And then Ryan Tannehill of the Titans going against the Houston uh, uh, Texans. Uh, I think this is going to be a dominant run, short passes, and I think he's just going to blow through tech, uh, Houston's zone defense and have a lot of fun with it. Some of your FanDuel DFS DraftKings, uh, Brock Purdy, Geno Smith, you can be able to get those guys for $7,500 and under. Uh, same thing, you know, Minshew Madness, Gardner Minshew, I got him. You can be able to buy him stupid low. And he's going to have a very favorable matchup against a real Cowboys pass defense, especially if Hurts misses the game. Uh, this would be an opportune time to have a backup QB1 that's going to fit Philadelphia's offense and then just be a straight-up plug-and-play. Uh, some of the quarterbacks are the, that you would want to maybe put on the sideline, uh, Matt Ryan, the Colts, going in the, the Chargers. Because of the game script, it might seem tempting, but just keep him on ice. And I don't even know if he's going to start at this point, as we previously discussed. Deshaun Watson and the Cleveland Browns going against the New Orleans Saints. Uh, this is just going to be an ugly, low-scoring defensive game. So just go ahead and, and just ignore the situation there. And then also them playing in Cleveland. It's going to be incredibly cold, blizzard-like conditions. So it's going to be a very run-heavy game. Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys. He's typically okay at home. They're playing the Eagles, and they have been freaking nasty. Their their pass defense has been incredibly tough. Uh, Jared Goff and the Lions, as hot as he's been, the Carolina Panthers have a very tough pass defense. Uh, and I think that the Lions are going to focus more on the run game and expose the exploitation of the Panthers' run defense and still hold that, uh, and that pass defense is going to hold them accountable. Uh, last but not least, uh, Derek Carr and the Raiders going against Pittsburgh's defense. Yeah, he did look good against the Patriots, uh, but I think that he's going to get turned down versus TJ Watt on the road. And the Raiders shouldn't have won that game, and they won it because of New England's stupidity. So don't let someone else's stupidity make you make a stupid decision. Uh, your must start, you know, running backs, your Derek Henry's, your CMC's, your Austin Eckler's. If you don't know them by now, then you, that's probably why you're not in the playoffs. Uh, that was a cold statement. Uh, <laughs> some of your stronger starts. Uh, so the dual running back threat, Devin Singletary and James Cook from the Bills going against the Chicago Bears at Chicago. Um, I think that this is going to be a, a back and forth for both backs. Both can be very fruitful um, because of weather conditions. Again, uh, the whole northern U.S. is going to be having some hardcore snow. I definitely think that this is going to be a ground warfare type game. Uh, another running back combo is going to be DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams from the uh, Detroit Lions going against the Carolina Panthers. I just talked with this before that the, the Lions are going to have to rely on 
a a run dominant uh, offense to beat the Carolina Panthers. Uh, the same situation, another dual back combo is uh, Rashad White Leonard Fournette from Tampa Bay going against the Cardinals. Uh, it's not going to be snowing you know, where the Cardinals play. However, um, I think it's just because of how leaky the, the Cardinals front is. They're going to allow a lot of pass or a lot of rush yards, and so early on, Fournette and White are going to get a lot of yards. They're going to try to play close and stack the box, and that's when Tom Brady excels and just launches the ball, you know, downfield, and it just turns into an outright zoo. Um, and some of your DFS FanDuel's uh, drafting pickups: uh, Nick Chubb from the Browns, Alvin Kamara from the Saints, uh, Kenneth Walker the third from the Seahawks. You should be able to get all of these guys for seventy nine hundred and under. Um, I think these are all going to be pivotal matchups against weaker run defenses. So I think that you're going to have a, an advantage on, on all of those guys. Uh, some of your weaker starts uh, would be Brad Robinson Jr. Uh, from the Commanders. San Francisco's run defense is just scary. I don't care. Any running back, honestly, from the Commanders, go ahead. If you got them, bench them. Uh, Rex, Bork, uh, Rex Burkhead, same situation with the Texans. He's in the lead role because of Damian Pierce's injury. Um, this is just going to be a brutal matchup against a very tough Tennessee front. Same situation. Don't start him. Um, Chuba Hubbard from the Carolina Panthers. This seems like it should be a breezy matchup, but if you look at statistically the Lions run defense over the past six games, they are not the, the, the kiddies they were in the beginning of the season. These are full-grown Lions. They are plugging holes, and they are making stops. So definitely try to avoid that situation there. Moving on to wideouts, your guarantees, your, your Justin Jefferson, Shamar Chase, Stephon Diggs, CeeDee Lambs are all going to have an exceptional game. Uh, your strong starts are going to be DJ Moore and the Panthers going against the Lions. I think he should definitely see the end zone. Um, and I think that with the Lions – do have a weak point in their secondary. Uh, Zach Wilson was able to exploit it, and I definitely think that we'll, we'll see that Sam Darnold do it, and uh, DJ Moore will be the recipient of that. Um, Traylon Burks from the Titans going against the uh, the Houston Texans. If he were, if the, and this is a a if he returns because he's still in concussion protocol, so he has I want to say up until like Saturday morning to get cleared. I think that because of Houston's weak zone defense, he's going to have himself a, a fun game. Uh, Elijah Moore uh, is going to be a very strong star. I think that they're going to, the Jaguars are going to focus so heavily on Garrett Wilson that the, the Jaguars don't have enough cornerbacks that are playing well enough to cover someone in the slot, in the post, you know, and then worry about a tight end on top of that. Um, Hunter Renfro, I think we're going to see an expanded role for him, and the Steelers are vulnerable on those short crossing routes, and that's where Hunter Renfro just outright explodes. So expect to see a very good game from him. And then Donovan Peoples-Jones goes against the Saints. I think that this is going to be a weather-dependent factor. If it does get nasty, he's going to be useless. If it's good enough that there can still be accurate and intelligible throws, uh, DPJ, I think, will, will definitely do his, uh, do his work. And then same situation uh, with uh, Adam Thielen from the Minnesota Vikings. I think with the Giants, they're going to be so set in covering the situations of Justin Jefferson um, and, and how well that he's been playing that they're just going to leave Adam Thielen. And if you start looking over the past like four or five games, Adam Thielen has really started to put some points on the board fantasy-wise because he's been getting the ball a lot more due to the fact of, of Kirk Cousins just passing it around. 
Also, too, K.J. Osborne is still floating around out there. Um, I think that he's going to see an increased role just because of that situation as well. But I still have Adam Thielen as a very strong start. Uh, some of your, your DFS DraftKings, those guys, uh, Devonta Smith, Terry McLaurin, and Gabe Davis, all these guys should be able to get for 7,500 and under. Um, you're going to be able to get uh, a good bang for your buck. You're going to be able to get, especially in PBRs, you're going to be able to get, they're going to get a lot of touches. They may not see the end zone, but they're still going to get a lot of touches on there. Uh, some of your weaker starts are going to be Marquise Brown from the Arizona Cardinals going against the uh, uh, Tampa Bay Bucks. Uh, Hollywood is is going to have himself an issue. Uh, no Kyler Murray, and then Tampa Bay's defense has been starting to kind of figure themselves out again. Um, just watch yourself out on that. Drake London from the Falcons going against the uh, Baltimore Ravens. Uh, he has an incredibly hard matchup against the secondary of uh, of the Ravens, so I definitely don't see that doing too well. Michael Pittman Jr. from the Indianapolis Colts. I don't care what quarterback starts. The, the Chargers secondary is brutal. So just be on the lookout for that. Uh, Amari Cooper, just because that's been like his stable target, Deshaun Watson speaking. Amari Cooper against a, a New Orleans defense in bad weather does not sound like a good time. So go ahead and, and, and just put him on the bench. Uh, DJ Chark and the, from the Lions going against the uh, Carolina Panthers. Uh, I think that his ability to get outside is going to be taken away. So just go ahead and, and plug him down. Same thing with Michael Gallup. Uh, I think against the secondary uh, and then the unpredictable targets, I think that it's going to be a TD lamp type thing. And they're going to be, if he's going to want to get that against the uh, against those guys. On the other side of the ball from the Falcons and Ravens game, I would go ahead and bench all Ravens wide receivers against the, the Falcons. Uh, it, it's just, a, it's, it's a situational matchup. You've got a struggling Baltimore team against an Atlanta defense that's kind of figured themselves out. So just go ahead and do yourself a favor and just don't bother starting that. Uh, last but not least, moving on to tight ends. So, of course, your strong starts are Travis Kelsey's or TJ Hopkinson's, those types. Uh, some of your, your strong starts, and this is going to be a, a situation here, uh, Pat Fryermuth, uh, he should rebound from the Pittsburgh Steelers going against the Raiders. Uh, his foot industry, it, it, with a foot, in, it, uh, foot injury and then Kenny Pickett, you know, being back, I think that's going to make a, a a good a good home for a strong start. I know that one is a little, too little too late in the words of JoJo for uh, Ladarius. I think the damage has been done. Um, but, you know, we're sorry. We still love you, man. Uh, Dawson Knox against uh, the Bears. He came out red hot last week. And I think this is going to be another situation. He's going to be primed for another short game scores. And he's going to be able to get the ball a lot against a, a, a plaguey Chicago defense. Uh, Hayden Hurst from the Bengals, if he returns, he's a sneakingly good tight end against a subpar defense of the New England Patriots. The Patriots are a bottom 10 in, in tight end coverage, so expect uh, uh, Hayden, if he plays, to have himself a, a good situation there. Um, Juwan Johnson from the New Orleans Saints going against Cleveland, all he does is score touchdowns. Like It's short range, couple yards, touchdowns, red zone, bang, points. Um, on the other side of the ball, uh, you're going to have ugh, you're going to have some not so favorable matchups on the weak side. Um, so on the other side of that, you're going to have uh, David Njoku for the Browns. The Saints are just stingy uh, at at the the tight end position. They're going to have themselves a, a significantly higher rate. So definitely go ahead and set him. Dalton Schultz from the Cowboys against the Eagles. Um, 
it's hard to trust. The, number one, the Eagles are, are incredibly tough on tight ends. And then just because it's so up and down. So I just, I don't see him having a, a good start. Cole Komet, as good as he's been as of late with the Bears, going against Buffalo's defense, he's statistically just playing a bad, bad matchup against that. Um, I don't see how that's going to fare well for him. Uh, Evan Ingram, I, I think that he has a good fantasy floor, but I still think he's going to be a weaker start just because of how stingy the Jets have been defensively uh, on tight ends and just how well they're playing. And this is a this, this is a must-win game for the Jets, so I think being at home in a must-win situation, and of course it's going to be awfully cold, and Jaguars don't like cold weather. Um, you know, just go down to the rainforest or wherever they're at and ask them. Uh, and then last but not least is Tyler Higby uh, going against from the Rams going against the uh, Denver Broncos. I just don't see him scoring this week, and he's a very touchdown-dependent tight end, so I definitely don't see him playing well. Uh, those are my starters and setups for Week 16. For the key positions, I think that uh, at this point, you know, if you're in, you're in. If you're out, you're out. And you're just kind of looking through the glass house. Um, it, it, it gets fun this time. This is this is not baseball. You lose, you go home. If you win, you keep going. So uh, best of luck to everyone, except if you are the three unfortunate victims that have to play me this week. Then not so much. I hope that your team just burns. And I hope that I'm the one that starts the fire. Oh, are, are, are you done? Done? Yeah, sorry. I think I play you this week in one of the leagues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's real, awesome. real, That's awesome. Yeah, real funny. And I immediately said, you know what? Well, that's a perfect week for me. Like, hey. Yeah, you, you, you are. And... Yeah, I'm gonna need Kirk Cousins not to show up. Yeah. <laughs> I I need I need first half versus Colt Kirk Kirk Cousins the whole game. That that's what I need. Yeah, and he and you got them and you got Kirk Cousins playing the Giants. So we already know that's gonna be a uh a, a storm. I don't like any of my and one of our before we get out of here, what one of the sleeper matchups and and you mentioned Pat Fryerberg, which is a little, which is a little, which is a, which is a soft spot for me. I'm not going to lie. Nothing. And I alluded it to the top of the show. He gave me nothing. And I'm looking around and I'm like, I'm like, it was very frustrating because I can take if you score five points, I can take that. But to not even be targeted, that's hard. That's what's worse. Because when I look at the Steelers' offense, I'm looking around. I'm like, well, Deontay Johnson, I get it. I had Najee Harris on one of my younger teams. But yeah, thumbs up. He gave me a touchdown. Cool. But I'm like, are we forgetting that fire move guy? Like, like even if you just throw him a five yard curl, I don't care. Whatever you throw him. Give me something. And I got nothing. That's the part that irritated me the most. And it's like I and I didn't lose bad. I think I lost by like 10 in that in the league I had in the sleeper league. And I put up some points. Shout out to Patrick Mahomes. But but 
but like like Chris said, if you're if you're in it, congratulations you in the championship. Applause, applause, applause. Insert applause. It, but it's gonna be a good match. Because like I say, and I'm not just saying because I've known him I've known him twenty years. I know him. So you would think like Oh, I'm going to support you for. I will. I will. To a certain extent. To a certain extent. Like that's all I got to play. Then yeah, there ain't no support. Hey, yeah. Hey, go, Chris. You go get him. I see this kid. I'm like, listen, the same personal champ. It's business. And business, baby. It's all business. Will I get my my cheeks clapped myself? Oh, I'm prepared for it. <laughs> like life's all about preparation. In life, we're, we don't come proper preparation play. prevents piss poor performance. There you go. There you go. They teach you that. So that's right. So, so what to get before we put a button? Congrats to all of those who made it to your your fantasy league and to your semifinals to your championship. And I hope this week that Pat Fryer move shows up. <laughs> because now I'm playing for last place. And let me tell you something. Hey, at least you get first round pick next year. Yeah, yeah, real great. Thanks. Yeah, I've been looking at 2023 for the last six weeks. So, all I'm saying is, is Pat. No, you know, hey, you know, to the Pittsburgh Steelers organization, to Mike Tomlin. Who I spoke Holly of. I spoke Holly of you, buddy. If you can find it in your heart, I don't care who's quarterback. I, I can care less. Please and thank you. If you could just get Pat my for at least 10 targets. 10 targets. I feel that's I feel that's sufficient. Because I, I, between him and Deontay Johnson, I can't tell you whether you're other receivers are. That's not, you know, we got George Pickens. Well, give him the game off. So so, I just need points. I just need points. It sounds desperate. It sounds Maybe desperate. it is. Maybe it is. But, but most people want, you know, certain things for Christmas. All I want. I just want some points. I just want Pat Flynn to score some points. points. <laughs> like, <laughs> come on, just <laughs> Santa, football Santa, or whatever. Just, just do something. Well, not that I beg and play the football Santa. We'll get to. Well, I finally get to. I guess put put a put a proper outro on the show. I got that all. Before we do that, I want to touch on baseball real quick. We have some interesting news come in this morning. Oh, the career. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you already know. Well, well I'll, I'll let you talk about that. But uh, the New York Yankees have actually just announced that the 16th captain of the New York Yankees baseball club is Aaron Judge. This is the same Aaron Judge that was AL Rookie of the Year with 52 home runs in 2017. 220 home runs, a .977 bat ops, uh, second in the MLB since 2016, and the 2022 AL MVP with leading the league in 62 home runs. Um, so they had a really cool announcement this morning. They had Derek Jeter there, of course, 
So definitely hats off uh, to the new captain of, uh, of the ship here. So I'm, I'm looking forward to a very productive year out of him. And then, yeah, and then the Mets is throwing an obscene amount of money at Carrera. Uh, so the Mets right now have spent over $800 million. $800 million. So that's more than the Yankees. So all of you Yankees haters are like, oh, you guys, you saw your championships. Apparently the Yankee haters are British. Uh, but... <laughs> <laughs> buy me a championship, my lord. Uh, I know they play you got a holler about the Yankees buying them, but so far the Red Sox have spent more money. The Mets have spent an astronomical amount of money. The Padres have spent an amount of money, and the Dodgers have spent more money. Now, the best part about this is that the Mets have spent almost a billion dollars just to choke in the last 30 days of baseball season. <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing that happen. And uh, the, the borough of Queens, so if you guys don't know, uh, City Field is in Queens, uh, east of Manhattan. And then, of course, the Yankees are in the Bronx, which is in the north side of Manhattan or, or New York City. Um, the Queens might be set on fire by, by this time next year if they just spent $800 million and then choke in the last three weeks of, uh, uh, of the season. So I'm pretty curious to see what's going to happen on that. But hey, you know what? If you, I guess you got the money. Spend it, man. Yeah, and, and fun fact, you know, with the Mets, the luxury tax, the luxury tax they're going to likely pay will be more will be more than the payroll of twelve major league baseball teams. Yeah. So, yeah. so when we talked about, I think last week, two weeks ago, we talked about, you know, certain franchises where you demand spend the money, like everybody can't do it. Like that's. Like that. yeah, it's, it's just not there. They don't have the market for it. you know. And, and like we said, the city of New York, so you've got two professional baseball teams. You've got the Yankees and the Mets. You've got two professional basketball teams. You've got the Knicks and the Nets. And then you've got two professional football teams, technically, even though they're across the river, with the Giants and, uh, and the Jets. And then you've got two professional hockey teams with the Islanders and the Rangers. So you've got a lot of, of uh, you're, in, you're in the biggest sports town in the United States by far. Second being uh, LA, you've got the, the Dodgers and the Angels, and then you've got the Lakers and the Clippers and uh, the LA Kings for hockey. Um, but in New York, like yeah, that's a lot in there. So they've got some money to spend. And, and there are these tiny teams like the Rays or the, the Baltimore Orioles, the Milwaukee Brewers. And yeah, I mean, that the luxury tax they're paying is more than the entire organization of some of these teams. Uh, and and it's the other thing, too, is that so if you look at as a, as a major league player, so if, if I – was, if I was playing baseball or basketball or, or football, maybe not basketball, just because I'd probably get thrown out of the league because got checking LeBron James too many times. Uh, but, <laughs> but you know, it, it's hard to get it, – as crazy as it sounds, it's actually hard to get some of these big-money players to play in these big-money towns because of the big-money tax that comes with it. Mm-hmm. New York is a very prime example. The biggest reason why Tyreek Hill, I mean, maybe he just saw that Zach Wilson wasn't as good as everyone thought he was, so maybe that had an issue to play in it. 
But Tyree Kill flat out said the reason why he didn't go to the Jets is because of the taxes in New Jersey and New York. Because Miami, no, you, you you go play money, you go play ball for the Dolphins or the the Bucks or the the Heat, the or even the Orlando Tragic. I mean, the oh, Orlando Magic. Oh, uh, we don't got state tax down here, baby. You, you just paying your whatever twenty five percent, whatever you are, when you're making millions of dollars. And that's it. You're not paying the city. You're not paying the state like you will in L.A. or New York or anything like that. So the fact that the that Carrera is going to go play for the Mets and get that kind of money. But I guess at, at that point, who cares, I guess, about taxes. But to spend that kind of money, the Mets are going to have to do something next season. They're going to have to go to the playoffs in a very, very, very strong fashion. Yeah. And then to throw that before we get out of here. The, I, their pitching staff, I think, is just as pitiful. Because when you get you get a Verlander, and you you get that experience at the top, you know top of your rotation. I think the pitching will be the key to whether the Mets are a playoff team next year or not. Because I know they can hit, but it's the pitch. It's the pitcher. I'm very big on like you. You don't need five aces. If you get, if you have the luxury to have two aces, you're great. Or you're deep at pitching, you have a shot. Go look at the Astros. Like the Astros simply kind of outpitch the Phillies. Is that if you look how deep Verlander was that expendable? That they say, okay, we'll let you go because they weren't going to give a guy his age. Essentially, 35, 40 million a year, they weren't going to do it. And they can afford to do that when you have that deep of a pitch attack. So, that's for my Cubs. Oh, by the way, we got Dan's before. So, that's my Cubs news for today. So, it's officially official. Because all you hear is Yankees talk on this show. So, but I want to slip in Chicago. That's the only Chicago team that will get a plug on this show. So, so, you know, maybe the Blackhawks might. Uh, I, 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 yeah, yeah, I'm starting to get into hockey. Maybe. Maybe. We'll, see. we'll see. But want to throw that but Cubs throw thing that because I think I, I don't really talk about the Cubs in the show because I got I got the I got the mayor of New York here. And, and hey, hey, I'm I'm no, I'm not as bad as that guy, man. Fuck Eric Adams. You heard of your folks? <laughs> Chris Gooden for me. I got garbage. I'll fly out there right now. That man is garbage. You heard it, you heard it here. You heard it here first, folks. Chris Gooden. If if you're if you if you're a donor, support Chris. Yeah, man. Look, look. Trust me, man. If I if I could run and be the mayor of New York, I would. I'd change that city. It's got stopping the being the shithole that it is right now. Oh, you get the now you're getting me started on that, man. We'll we'll save that part for another day. Yeah. Well, get the mayor from Spin City. Get that guy. That's right. So, so folks, we got here like, listen to subscribe to this episode, every episode of the Sports of the World podcast. Always been a high note. I've always said that. Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever you get your podcast, they can listen. Follow me on social media at Lidares underscore Brown on both TikTok and Twitter, Instagram at Lidares double underscore Brown. Check out my preview of Thursday night game between the Jaguars and the Jets on the social media. Go to Facebook, we're there as well. Join the page. Uh, Chris is that is that as Chris Graham on Instagram, Instagram Twitter, Twitter? You don't know. I'm still working. I I need to create one. I've I've been slacking on. It. I'm not even gonna lie. Just even if you get the one with just your profile as an egg. That's all. 
You ask for the bare minimum. It's it's like it's like asking the teacher what's the grade you need to do to pass the class. That's what we're looking for. These get degrees, baby. Yeah, hey, listen, hey. Some listen, honor roll or just just trying to roll in to get the degree. Either way. But folks, until you hear it again next time, I'm the Darius. And I'm Chris. Be real, be you, be blessed, and be safe from all of us here from the sports and the world podcast. See ya.